You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Coming up on today's episode, some breaking news to dive into. We break down the trade for Brendan Dillon and Paul Stasny re-signing, plus the draft and a look ahead to free agency opening up on Wednesday. But first, a word from our friends over at DraftKings. You've heard us talk about the leader in daily fantasy sports and how payday comes every day by entering their contests with massive cash prizes up for grabs. It's super easy to do. Throw down a couple bucks and you might find yourself rolling in the dough sooner rather than later. Baseball and soon-to-be football coming up on DraftKings. Plenty more as well. No better place to get in on all the action. Now that you know how to play, download the DraftKings app and sign up using code THPN. New users will get a free entry with their first deposit. That's code THPN to get a free entry with your first deposit. Only at DraftKings, minimum $5 deposit required. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for details. Hello, everybody. Recording live from somewhere. What's good and welcome to another episode of Skates and Plates on the Hockey Podcast Network. I'm your host, Brandon Rewicki. You can follow me on Twitter at Brandon underscore Rewicki or the podcast at Skates Plates Pod. Well, I was actually wondering aloud to myself, as usual, a little while ago that things are pretty quiet here in Winnipeg after a, a frenetic, crazy weekend in the NHL. Maybe even too quiet. And lo and behold, Kevin Chevalier changed that in a big way Monday night with a pair of moves. First, the re-signing of Paul Stasny, which was then followed and overshadowed, actually, with a trade. A pair of second-round picks over to Washington for the man-mountain that is Brendan Dillon. And that's where we're going to start today's episode, because we all know the blue line's been... The topic in Winnipeg for, I think, going on three years now. So, if I was to sum up the Brendan Dillon trade in two words, I think I'd go with this. Necessary overpay. The price wasn't cheap. Look, second rounders, a pair of second rounders is nothing to scoff at. I mean, it's what Colorado got for Devon Taves last year, who was a a top pair defender for them. I would say two second round picks is probably equal in value to a first round pick. So the Jets paid a hefty price to get Brendan Dillon. But having said that, at some point, 
there had to be an aggressive move to bring in talent on the, on defense. And that's certainly what this does. I mean, so yeah, the Jets overpaid a little bit maybe on the deal. But you could look at that as, you know, the premium, the price you have to pay to make sure that you get your guy and you're not left standing there come game one of the regular season with more of the same of what we saw last year on the blue line. So let's get into the player and, and what he can bring to the Winnipeg Jets. What is Brendan Dillon going to give to Winnipeg's blue line next season? I mean, first and foremost, it's just impossible to ignore that he's humongous, right? He's, he's gigantic. He's 6'4", 220, and he plays like an angry lumberjack. So, I, you know, I feel like the term tough to play against gets thrown out too often and, and maybe even sometimes carries a, a negative connotation with it. But Brendan Dillon is an absolute beast. And he enjoys hurting people. So he is quite literally tough to play against. And look, there's no doubt that, you know, a large segment of the fan base, as well as, you know, the Jets organization, I would say, thought that this team wasn't big enough or, or tough enough to play against over the last few years. And, and I would probably agree with that to an extent. And look, look across the entire NHL. You know, the whole league is training towards trying to find size and toughness on the blue line. But what I love about the addition of Brendan Dillon is that you're filling that major stylistic need, but you're not going out of your way to do it just to do it. You know what I mean? Like, Brendan Dillon can legitimately play. I think teams get into trouble when they sign big guys just because that's what the weight scale says. But Brendan Dillon has a pretty impressive track record for a while now. I mean, he's shown that he is a solid second-pair defenseman. Not a top-pair guy, but a, a no doubt about a top four guy who actually brings a little bit of offense. You know, he's maybe deceptively skillful, um, but that goes along with his bread and butter, which is great defensive play, great defensive instincts, super, super physical, and the ability to be a great penalty killer on top of it. So this is a guy that Kevin Chevalier has had his eye on for a while. I, I mean, back to when he was with the Sharks. At the trade deadline a number of years ago, Chevy made a push to get Brennan Dillon. And I guess ultimately ended up being outbid by the Washington Capitals. You know, if Brennan Dillon was going to be a free agent last year, there was no doubt about it. Kevin Chevalier was going to make a hefty run at him and, and try to sign him as a free agent. Unfortunately, he signs with the Capitals at the time a four-year deal worth just under $4 million per season. And lo and behold, they find a way to reunite right now and get things done. So this is a player that, you know, the Jets have been going after for a while now. And I, I just think it's a really, really strong fit for both player and team. And on top of it, I actually think Brendan Tillon is going to be, you know, a better fit and is also going to cost less on the cap than what David Savard is going to get in free agency in a couple of days. And I don't think David Savard fits in very well with the Winnipeg Jets in terms of how the pairings would play out. I think Brendan Dillon is actually a better fit as to who his potential partner might be next season. And, and that really now is, you know, I guess the topic here moving forward is, is what will the Jets look like on the blue line going into next season now that Brendan Dillon is officially a member of the team. We'll take a deeper dive into this later on in the offseason when, you know, things die down and I'm struggling for content. But here's what I'm thinking right now quickly. And it's funny, actually, because, you know, I texted my brother right after the trade happened. And I basically just said, you know, pretty good partner for Pionk. And I think that's true. You know, I, 
I, I think he'd be a really, really good fit beside Neil Pionk if the Jets wanted to go that route. So, you know, there's going to be some versatility and flexibility there. But what if instead of that, the Jets opted to put Brendan Dillon with Dylan DeMello, reuniting the former Sharks together, where they actually did extremely well together as a defensive pairing. So there's a little bit of familiarity there as well. I think I might go with Brendan Dillon and Dylan DeMello, and that allows you to put Josh Morrissey with Neil Pionk. We, we only saw glimpses of those two together this past season, usually when the Jets were trailing in the third period, but I thought they looked pretty damn impressive <laughs> during their time together. And, you know, I, I know the common refrain is to put a defensive first guy beside Josh Morrissey, maybe because he is, you know, a, a tad undersized. But I've said forever now, and you guys know if, you, if you've listened to the podcast this whole time, I, I've always banged the drum on this, that I think Josh Morrissey plays his best besides a partner that is the primary puck mover. It's, it's why he meshed so well with Jacob Truba, not because Truba was big and solid defensively, but because Jacob Truba was the guy that took care of the puck moving abilities on that pairing. And it's why I think we can see Josh Morrissey get back to that level playing beside Neil Pionk. Maybe Pionk is the guy that can unlock the Morrissey that we haven't seen for a few seasons now. On top of that, we know the Jets are reluctant, I think, to put DeMello Morrissey as a duo together, maybe as this team's top pairing. So this allows the Jets, you know, to go down that path because you'd have DeMello playing beside Brendan Dillon. And on top of that, DeMello is getting the top four ice time that I think we would all agree he's shown that he's deserving of and, and more than capable of. You know, as for the third pair then, if this is how things play out, that would leave the Jets to choose between Logan Stanley, Nathan Beaulieu, and Vili Hainala. In my perfect world, I think Nathan is a good seventh defenseman, a good, you know, injury fill-in guy. I would love, love, love to see Logan Stanley and Vili Hainala together with Vili going to his offside. I know some people have said, Paul Marie said, Vili Hainala is not going to be a guy that they want and are looking to shift towards the offside, but... You know, the Jets may not have a, a choice next season, and I think he's more than capable of it. We've seen him play that, you know, in his brief time in the NHL on his offside. But I just think that's a really, really nice fit. Um, you know, I we, we saw Paul Maurice find a way to shelter Logan Stanley more so than any other defenseman in the NHL last year. So why not do the same again this year, right? Logan Stanley's shown that he can excel in sheltered minutes, and I think we would all agree Vili Hainala can probably do the same beside him, so why not? Like, why not put the kids together and see what they can do? I, I don't know. I think I think Hainala Stanley is something that can work together, and I think on the flip side of that, I'm not too sure that Stanley Beaulieu would be a very successful on-ice pairing for the Jets. I, I just I don't have a lot of faith in those two being effective together. So that would be my ideal Winnipeg Jets blue line. One day before free agency starts. I mean, there's still a lot of time to be had here and a lot of potential moves as well to come before training camp. One thing that is cool, though, is it's kind of exciting how things are shaping up on the blue line right now. I it just it, It's been so long that I kind of forget what optimism feels like when it comes to the Jets and defensemen. I mean, look, do the Jets have a top 10 blue line in the NHL right now? No. And I don't think it's even close either. But... Maybe having a group of solid defensemen, you know, four second pair guys, 
and then a good third pair behind them, maybe that's enough. With a high-end forward group up front and, you know, maybe the best goaltender on the planet behind them. So either way, the Jets became a much uh, tougher and a much better team going into next season. Speaking of the forward core there, the other move of Monday night saw Paul Stasny return to the fold, signing a one-year deal worth $3.75 million. As unofficial president of the Paul Stasny fan club for a number of years now, I obviously fully endorse the move. I think every good team has a guy like Paul Stasny on their roster. So I, I, I just, I love everything about him. Love the way he plays the game. I mean, he showed last year too that he's still got plenty of game left. I mean, on pace for 44 points in a day two game season. So he's still a second line contributor by the numbers. And that goes along. I mean, you have the production. That goes along with the intangibles of great leadership and actually wanting to play in Winnipeg. <laughs> you know, in all honesty, that last part isn't even really a joke, right? Because, you know, I saw some people say that the cap hit was a little too high and, and maybe there's someone in free agency who could give you more bang for the buck. I mean, first, I would disagree at the notion that the cap hit is too high. I mean, if Paul Stasny's a no doubt about it, second line guy, that's probably worth about $4 million per season. I think, you know, the athletic Dom Lachishan on his chart had Paul Stasny's contributions at about $4.4 million per season. So I actually think the cap hit is, you know, pretty reasonable for, for what the Jets were able to lock him down to. But even if we go with the premise that, you know, Paul Stasny's cap hit is a shade higher than you would like it to be, which I don't agree with, but let's just go with it. Good luck finding that player in free agency to sign in Winnipeg, right? I, I bet that guy doesn't even give the Jets a sniff or, or the time of day about signing for one, two, or even three years to play with the Jets. There, there really is something to be said to lock down guys that actually want to be here. I still think, you know, 10 plus years into Jets 2.0 that people don't give enough credence to how... As far as destinations go in the NHL, Winnipeg is right at or the bottom of the barrel. I think there is a ton of value in getting guys that actually want to play here with the Jets. And Paul Sasny clearly does. I mean, he's loved by his teammates. And I think keeping the deal to one year is a major win for the Jets on top of that. So all in all, a really, really strong day for Winnipeg. And on top of that, the Jets are showing that you know, they understand their window of contention is right now. And it's time to make some moves to try to get back to where they were a few years ago. So, you know, I don't know how you can't be happy as a Jet fan heading into free agency on Wednesday because the team is clearly better than they were the previous season. On top of that, they had a hell of a draft over the weekend, which we'll get to in just a little bit here. But I mentioned free agency gets started on Wednesday, so things are just going to continue to get crazy in the NHL. But let's take stock then of where Winnipeg stands heading into the frenzy on Wednesday. As of right now, the Jets have 12 forwards, 6 defensemen, and a goalie all locked up under contract. The Jets have $11.2 million in cap space to work with there. Now, that doesn't include Brian Little's $5.25 million in salary. So... There's the potential there if the Jets want to put him on LTIR, which, you know, we, we kind of expect. That would actually give the Jets roughly $16.5 million in cap space to work with. That doesn't include, though, Andrew Kopp, Neil Pionk, and Logan Stanley, which are all RFAs. 
the Jets would also have to sign, obviously, or, you know, find a backup goalie to go beside Connor Hellebuck. So, you know, they're in a pretty good spot, the Winnipeg Jets, right now. You know, there's you have room to tinker with and make another addition, likely up front, if you want to do that. Or maybe you bank some cap space, right? That That's the other option. You know, people get all upset all the time when, when a team heads into training camp and there's a hole or two that looks like it needs to be filled. You know, you can always wait till the trade deadline to make that move as well. So the Jets, at the very least, aren't forced into making a move heading into the season. They've left themselves a nice little bit of wiggle room to operate with. And they could still be players come free agency time. Maybe not for one of the big fish, but maybe there's a medium-sized fit out there that won't break the bank and, you know, helps the Jets improve going into next season as well. Now, who could some of those targets be when free agency opens up on Wednesday? I mean, we got to start up front because I think that's where some potential holes could be filled by Winnipeg. Now, it's interesting because it also kind of depends on a couple of things. You know, one is going to be just how do the Winnipeg Jets stack their forward lines going into next season, right? Because with Paul Stasny coming back into the fold... You kind of have two options, I guess, with how you could potentially configure lines going into next season. I mean, you could run it back and basically do what you did last year, right? The old school top six, all offense, bottom six, focus on checking, right? And that would see Paul Stasny likely move over to the wing somewhere uh, with a Dubois and say maybe a Wheeler or Connor, whatever it may be. So there's that option for you. And then all of a sudden the Jets need to pick up maybe a a depth piece or two in free agency, or you could go the balanced approach, which I actually like a lot more, and that would see your centers as Shifley, Dubois, Stasny, Lowry, whatever order you want to put them in, I don't really care. If you go that route, then all of a sudden there's maybe a potential for a third-line winger to be picked up in free agency, right? So you have to take that into consideration for one. The second part, two, and we still don't know how this is going to play out, is the Andrew Kopp situation, right? I mean, RFA, one year away from free agency, arbitration eligible. I still think he's a potential trade candidate if he isn't willing to sign a long-term deal with the Jets. You know, if Andrew Kopp again is saying, you know what, I'm only signing one year and then I'm off to free agency and we'll go our separate ways, I think it might be in the Jets' best interest to try to recoup some assets there, especially after giving away a couple of second-round picks for Brandon Dillon, and then maybe trying to find some kind of a replacement in free agency. So, you know, that's another angle and, you know, option that we need to keep in the back of our heads as we go through this here. One quick thing, actually, I want to mention before we get into potential free agent targets for the Jets, uh, you know, just with the different approaches to how they configure their lines for next year, one of the reasons I do love you know, going four deep down the middle, you know, aside from the, I think, obvious benefits of, you know, being super, super difficult to match up with. I like that, I think, because it gives you the option, if Cole Perfetti is potentially ready, or if you have designs on him being an NHL player for you next season, I don't know how many better mentors there would be out there than having a Paul Stasny to play beside a Cole Perfetti early on in his NHL career, a guy to learn from, basically become a sponge, and to play together on the same line, I think that's a match made in heaven. I think they see the game the same way on top of that. 
And I think that would be a really cool storyline at the very least. One, you know, a cool storyline to follow, uh, to watch Cole Perfetti be mentored by a guy like Paul Stasny. But two, I think there's also a lot of uh, on-ice benefits that the Winnipeg Jets could reap from that. So, uh, you know, maybe on, from from a selfish storyline point of view, I would love to see the Jets go four deep and have the option of playing Cole Perfetti with Paul Stasny. Now, as far as potential names to keep an eye out for when the ball drops on Wednesday, we'll start up front because we just touched on it there. I, I don't think the Jets are going to make a move for a, a third-line winger, at least on the opening day of free agency. I, I think that's where you get into trouble and, and some of these bad contracts happen is signing depth players early on in the free agency process. You're probably better off just waiting for the market to play itself out and then sign guys for, you know, a million, a million and a half that are just looking to grab a job for the upcoming season. So I don't think we see the Jets make a, a move to grab somebody inside their top nine. But as far as potential fourth line players to look at, I mean, we all know Kevin Sheveldayoff and Paul Maurice love that veteran fourth line center. So if we're going off past precedents here, probably safe to say that we're going to see the Jets sign a 33-year-old and up veteran to play on their fourth line this upcoming season. Thankfully, this time around, there's actually a couple of guys that I think could, could fit the mold pretty nicely. We've touched on it before, but speaking of storylines, how great would it be to see one of, or maybe even both of, hometown boys Travis Zajac and Darren Helm signing here in Winnipeg? You know, I think they both have a ton of game left in them. You know, Z Travis Zajac was actually a really solid player for both the Devils and the Islanders this past season. Uh, so I think as a fourth-line center and, and signing them on the cheap, I think that would be a great deal. Uh, same with Darren Helm, who, you know, maybe isn't the player that he once was with the Red Wings, but he's a guy that can kill penalties. He can play center or the wing, and he's fast as hell. I, I think I think he checks a lot of the boxes of somebody that you want as a fourth-liner. Plus, he has some Stanley Cup experience on top of it, like Trevor Lewis did last season as well. I actually wouldn't be opposed to Trevor Lewis coming back if... You know, that was an option for the Jets maybe sometime in the middle of August. Uh, another name, too, a guy that I like who was, you know, maybe not as effective compared to his cap hit the past couple of seasons. But I, I like Derek Ryan as well, the former Calgary Flame. You know, it just it didn't work out for him there because he never lived up to his cap hit. But I think if you're signing him for somewhere in that million dollar range, I don't know. I think that's a nice potential... Uh, bounce back candidate and somebody that I think would make the Winnipeg Jets fourth line, you know, outside of just being defensively solid, something that could actually get you some offensive production this upcoming season. As far as the blue line, when it comes to free agent targets, I don't know if we see the Jets make a move, honestly. I mean, the Dougie Hamilton pipe dream, I think is officially over at this point. It looks like the top four is going to be, like we touched on, Morrissey, Pionk, Brandon Dillon, Dylan DeMello. We know Stanley is going to be there next year. We know Nathan Beaulieu is under contract as well, which kind of leaves, I don't know. I don't know if there is a spot open. Uh, I don't think the Jets are going to bring Tucker Pullman back. I think Tucker Pullman is going to try to, you know, either cash in or find a place where he can get more minutes. A guy that I liked before the Brandon Dillon trade, actually, I, I just don't see it happening now, but you never know, is Jake McCabe. You know, Jake McCabe really, really quietly 
had a good season, if you can believe it or not, for the Buffalo Sabres. One of the one of the few Sabres that actually enjoyed playing in Buffalo last year. I was looking at him as a potential partner for Neil Pionk because Jake McKay plays on the left. He's a left shot defenseman. I, I just don't know if there's any room for him now after the Dylan trade. But at the very least, hey, you know what? If it's a couple weeks into free agency and for some reason Jake McCabe is still out there, you know, he did deal with some injuries last year. That's a guy that I wouldn't mind the Jets taking a run at. Even if there would be a bit of a logjam when it comes to lefty-righties, I, I just think as far as talent goes, you'd be foolish not to give a guy like Jake McCabe a bit of a chance, but we'll see if that ultimately is in the cards. He's probably going to find a different destination now, though. And finally, we get to the goaltending market. The Winnipeg Jets are, are actually going to be involved in that, uh, it looks like. Uh, I think Scott Billick reported that Laurent Brassois is willing to test free agency. You know, I, I imagine for him, as much as he probably enjoys playing with Connor Hellebuck and, and, and playing here in Winnipeg, you know, he probably wants a chance to actually maybe earn a starter's role, right? Like, Or, or even be a 1B type of a guy. You know, you, you just know that coming here to Winnipeg, you're only going to play in an 82-game season, 20-25 games. I think Laurent Brassois probably at this point wants one last crack at getting maybe 30-35 to 35 games and maybe earning some more money down the line. So I think there's the potential that he comes back to Winnipeg if he doesn't like the offers that are out there. But at the very least, the Jets are going to have to consider either bringing in a new player via free agency or looking towards the moose for that replacement. Now, it's an interesting goalie market this year because there's actually a ton of names available. Fortunately for the Jets, though, they don't need any of these high-end guys, right? I mean, they're not going to be going after a Freddie Anderson or a Peter Morazic or a Bernier or, you know, go down and down the line. They're obviously set with Connor Hellebuck. So are there any secondary guys that could potentially be a fit in Winnipeg? You know, I, I, there, there aren't a ton, actually, when you look at it. I think a lot of the goalies and, and even the second tier of goalies on the free agent market are going to be trying to earn some more ice time somewhere else. The one name, though, that did kind of intrigue me and I think could be a nice fit here in Winnipeg is Big Save Dave. I think maybe Dave Riddich could be on the Winnipeg Jets radar as far as bringing in a potential free agent backup goalie. You know, his, his time in Calgary was certainly up and down. And, you know, let's not sugarcoat it. He was pretty awful with the Maple Leafs after being acquired from the deadline there. But I think he's one of the better goalies in the NHL over the past couple of years when it comes to high danger save percentage. And hey, look, the Jets, more than any other team, give up high danger chances. Might be a good fit there. But I, I, I don't know. I think as far as a backup goalie, I think he could do worse than, than Dave Riddich. And it would probably come at a pretty cheap price. So when we're talking about free agent targets, I think Dave Riddich would be a guy that the Jets might have some interest in. But maybe you go cheap on the backup spot, knowing that you have Connor Hellebuck to play, you know, 55 plus games. And, and maybe you give the young kid a chance. Maybe Mikhail Burden is the backup goalie for the Jets next season. I mean, from an entertainment standpoint, I sure as hell hope he's the backup goalie. But it might make sense from a cap perspective as well. Because that allows you to push a little more money into your blue line. Maybe a little more money into a potential top nine winger for you. Or you go with a more expensive fourth line because you have the luxury to do so. I mean, that's one of the benefits to giving Mikhail Burden the backup spot there. On top of that, too, 
He's going to have to clear waivers if being sent down to the Moose. So at least this gives you the chance to see what he can do at the NHL level. I don't really have a great read on on how the, the backup spot is going to play out for the Jets over the next little bit. So it'll be intriguing if, if Laurent Brassois signs elsewhere. What and who the Winnipeg Jets go after if it's the Birdman or Big Save Dave or maybe a different name that I didn't mention there. But let me know, all right? Hit me up on Twitter at Brandon underscore Rewicki. You know, whether it's the backup goalie, whether it's a defenseman, or whether it's a potential forward target, who you would like to see the Winnipeg Jets go after when free agency opens up sometime later on Wednesday. One last thing to get to before we wrap things up on today's episode, but the NHL draft happened over the weekend, and the Winnipeg Jets, despite only having four picks, I think had themselves a hell of a couple of days, and I, I, I think there was a lot of excitement around who the Winnipeg Jets were able to bring into their prospect fold. I mean, most notably was the first round pick. And you know what? Sometimes being good at drafting means quite simply you get lucky. And the Jets were fortunate enough that Cole Perfetti fell to them at the 10th spot last year. And I think there was some good fortune again this year with Chaz Lucius dropping to them at number 18. Now, you also have to get lucky, but you also have to be good too to notice your good luck and, and make the selection when it comes to you. But it just seems like this Chaz Lucius kid probably should have been taking a good six, seven, eight spots earlier. And I don't know if the Jets anticipated him falling to them at number 18. But he fills a very similar profile to Kyle Connor when the Jets originally drafted him a few years ago, I believe 17th overall. Now, I'm not saying he's going to be a 40-goal scorer like Kyle Connor is, and they're not necessarily the same type of player, but they're both known as high-offense, goal-scoring dynamos, and they both come out of the U.S. Uh, National Development Program. So the Jets are obviously very comfortable in taking players from that specific spot. From the scouting reports, it, it sounds like while he scores, maybe not as much as Kyle Connor, but while he is a goal-scoring forward, he doesn't do it the same ways as Connor does. Uh, it sounds like... It's not an elite shot from Chaz Lucius, but he does it by going to the front of the crease. And I think every team would love to have a couple guys like that. So he'll be an interesting guy to keep your eye on over the next few years. He's, I mean, he's probably at least two years away from being a contributor on the Winnipeg Jets. But it looks like they found a way again to extract a ton of value with their first round pick. Uh, I mentioned only four picks in total for the Jets. And they actually went out to Russia for a number of theirs, which was, for me, really surprising, at least. Uh, you know, I, I like it, though. And I think Kevin Shevoldayov had the quote, you know, it doesn't matter where you're from. Talent is talent. I love that. Uh, but Nikita Chibrikov, who is the team's second round pick, brings talent in spades. I mean, this was, uh, you know, if you like the Chaz Lucius pick, I think you have to love the Chibrikov one just as much, if not even more, because he was seen as a likely first-round pick that fell to the Winnipeg Jets in round two. You know, maybe it's the whole, you know, Russian enigma slash will he or won't he leave the KHL effect, but it looks like the Jets got themselves a heck of a prospect here as well. A guy that's got a ton of skill, you know, maybe not the biggest player in the world, but more than makes up for it with some tremendous playmaking ability and some slick one-on-one -on -one work as well. I love it. I mean, I, I love the two picks the Jets made with their top two selections there. I mean, look, let's be honest. Dmitry Kuzmin and Dmitry Roshevsky, the other two picks, they might be good players. 
I, I just don't know a lot about him, you know, right? Like, I, I don't watch a lot of, you know, Kuzman played in the Belarusian League. I don't watch a lot of hockey out there in Belarus anymore. It's, you know, I, I just don't have the time for it. Um, but it just, it, I like the Jets' process in this, I guess you could say. In ignoring size, even though they brought some into the big club recently, but going after skill and talent first and foremost. I mean, that's where you're going to, that's where you're going to draft out well, more often than not, chase the skill and talent, which is hard to find. And if you need size, you can go out there and find it other ways. So all in all, despite a lack of picks, the Jets certainly made it quality over quantity in the 2021 NHL draft. And it'll be very, very exciting to follow the careers specifically of Chaz Lucius and Nikita Chibrikov. Well, that's a wrap. I think that's it for this episode here. Uh, quickly before we go, though, I do want to mention again a contest that we've been running on the Hockey Podcast Network over the past few days. You have a few more days to enter, so make sure you do so if you haven't already. If you missed it, Wood Jerseys is partnering up with the Hockey Podcast Network, and you have a chance to win a brand new Winnipeg Jets Wood Jersey. They're sexy as hell. It completes any man cave out there. So if you're interested in that, head to my Twitter profile. It's my pinned tweet. All you have to do is retweet the post that has the contest info in it. Follow me at Brandon underscore Rewiki. And then follow Wood Jerseys at Wood Jerseys. Those three steps will get you entered into a draw to win a Winnipeg Jets Wood Jersey. So don't forget that. That contest is coming up to an end midway through the week. We're back on Friday, though. We'll dive into the first couple of days of the opening of free agency. We'll see if the Jets have any more moves up their sleeves. And we've got another food interview on tap for you guys as well, so make sure you tune into that. In the meantime, thank you so much for listening to another episode of Skates and Plates on the Hockey Podcast Network. I'm your host, Brandon Rewicki. Enjoy the rest of your week, everybody. Peace!